Come on. Welcome, Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Amy LaLiberty. Amy, are you ready to do this? I am. Let's go. Let's go. Amy is the chief number cruncher with the Wellness Bookkeeper. She's helping to streamline bookkeeping to create confident money mindset and a renewed focus for business owners and nonprofits. Amy, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yes. So I am born and raised from uh, upstate New York, two and a half hours outside of New York City specifically. And I um, married for, it'll be 20 years. I have three kids, one fur baby. And um, and I am just, you know, living life the way that I have always wanted, which is like creating intention and having my own business, helping business owners create a relationship with money. And I do that for very obvious things like bookkeeping, forecasting, like CFO level stuff. And then we also talk about mindset because the mindset and the and the growth mindset is really critical to uh, creating uh, scaling businesses and creating any financial goal that you wish to create both professionally and personally. Yeah, I appreciate that. When when did you you probably always recognized or when did you recognize the role that mindset played? And then when did you decide that you wanted to actually work that into the like your your work? Yeah. So I so before like it was like formally in my business, <clears throat> I was a competitive athlete. So I knew that the mindset piece of it, like you could train and train. I was a competitive swimmer. So you could train and train and train. And I was someone who could really put in the time and, and, and train, but sometimes like my time wasn't reflected of all that effort. And so what I eventually realized was that I was like in my head. And once I started to realize that, that, that connection existed, um, I really started to sort of develop that and then come like, I, I don't know, let's just say like 10, 15 years later, I realized that like the mindset work is critical. You can turn around and have all the financials in place and we can review, you know, income statements and balance sheets and cash flow statements. But if you have a scarcity mindset, if you have blind spots when it comes to your thoughts around money and just like the way in which you make decisions with money, it will, um, it will, hurt you more than help you. You can strive and hustle and use that scarcity mindset, but at some point there's a reckoning and it usually starts to happen when businesses are looking to scale to like the next level. Um, and to the next level is, is pretty personally defined, but, um, but I tend to see it a lot when someone's at like multiple six, trying to get to their first seven figures. And then if they're at their first seven, they're multiple seven, eight figures. Do you find that people self-diagnose that or how, how, how do you help people to broach the subject? Yeah. So I honestly, I think a lot of it um, comes down to a level of awareness around your thoughts. And that sounds so basic and it really is. There's really nothing like it's, I'm not saying that once you have awareness, you're like, oh, right. I have a scarcity mindset. Okay. I'll fix that check. Like, obviously there's some unpacking and stuff that needs to happen there, but there are like so many people who don't 
have the awareness around why they do what they do when it comes to money or, you know, or even like the origin of which it came from. So if you're someone who is afraid to look at your business financials, there's usually some scarcity mindset there. And as soon as like we start to kind of talk, uh, talk about it and like unravel it, it really comes down to like, they think that they're not good with math. They're not, they think that they're not good with money for women. I feel like it's a lot of like, um, I wasn't the person that would manage the money. Like I was never taught this. And so some of it is just that there's just an, a, a lack of awareness. And then they just feel like, because they don't know it's be, it's just sort of feeding into that thought of like, I'm like not good at math. I'm not this, I'm not that. And that's where it really starts to become a decision of like, I don't want to lead your listeners to think like, you're going to say, oh, I have a scarcity mindset and I'm going to go into like, I have an abundant mindset or, you know, I have a positive relationship with money. If you think about your relationship with money and your mindset around money and compare it to any relationship that you've ever had with a human, it's the same thing. It takes time. It takes a lot of work to, um, to really just start to unpack and unearth. And even when you've resolved, maybe some like core scarcity mindset beliefs, whenever you start to scale and start to do something that is unfamiliar, it starts like it will start, it will show up again. And it doesn't mean that it's gone wrong. It's just the way in which your brain is like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We have never done this before. This is bad. We need to be scared. Um, we should stop and just come back and let's go back to what's familiar. It's just a difference between awareness and understanding that your brain doesn't want to do things that is unfamiliar. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do them. You should really examine and decide in an intentional way and, and, and work with your mind to create the neural pathways in order to then make it familiar to you know, have a relationship with money to like, look at your financials, to create financial goals, to do all of those things in order to build a business, a life, whatever it is that you desire and you need money to do it, um, to make that happen for you. Such powerful stuff there. <clears throat> and I, I, I just couldn't agree. I couldn't agree anymore. I like to talk about how we have an operating system, just like our phones. And if my operating system says or tells me that money is the root of all evil, or in order to be successful with money, I need to be screwing people over, or I'm not mm -hmm. good with money, well, mm -hmm. that's going to have a profound impact on my behaviors around it. And mm -hmm. that was me forever. I resisted budgeting. I resisted you know, paying attention and paying bills and filing taxes for a long time because I had this negative money mindset. I didn't figure it out until I was like 35 years old. And believe it or not, it didn't serve me for that long. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very real thing. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that, um, I think the other part that that happens is that a lot of people don't talk about that. I think that, you know, there's people that are like, oh, everything is great. I'm making all this money. And then you like that may not be your story. And then you feel like what's wrong with me? And I think it's because there's not like an open dialogue around money, both good and bad, neutral. Like there's just like the context around money. It's it's feels oftentimes very one sided and very shiny and pretty and not necessarily like the other side. There's not the other side of the coin that's happening because who wants to talk about like that type of stuff. But I think that that's really what starts to normalize the conversation around money. Yeah. And it's such an important thing. 
You're right. Mm-hmm. We are. We, we're, we're excited about showing off the good things about money, like cars or jewelry or clothes or vacations or whatever. But we don't normally advertise the fact that maybe I'm broke and I don't have enough money and I'm paycheck to paycheck kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that two thirds of us are there and there's few of us who are perfect. And, you know, that's we just need to lean into that and recognize that it's part of the human condition to be not necessarily naturally good at money, but to recognize, like you talked about, just be mindful of it, pay attention, and then start working and moving in the right direction. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fond of saying that you can give somebody the greatest guitar in the world, but if they didn't know how to play it, then then it wouldn't matter. So you can give somebody the greatest bookkeeping systems, the greatest forecasting tools, but if they're not interacting correctly or they don't know how to use it, then it doesn't matter. So you need to teach mm-hmm. people and train people. And that's probably not... Um, uh, uh, that's probably not a natural thing either. Um, how do people, when, when, when you're engaging with people, what are some of the common problems that, 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 that you're seeing? Yeah. So I mostly work with six and seven figure business owners. And, um, the, the common thing that I often hear, and I want to say this because I feel like if you are just starting out and you think you have this, this thought, like know that like. This is common regardless of how many zeros you have in your um, account. And it's, we're doing really well with business, and um, but our bank account doesn't reflect that. And what that tells me is that they're, they're not looking at their financials because there's a reason for that. And there's a few different reasons. So it's not like, oh, it must be just this, but it could be like a whole, like it, it could be a few different things. So really trying to identify what the the root cause of that is in order to then to start to treat it. And I think um, like that's probably the most common thing. And it's that the person that is coming to me has been someone who's been doing their books on the weekend. Because again, when it comes to money and when it comes to your business financials, there's a level of trust that you that I believe that you want to have with someone that's seeing your money and seeing all the things, because, you know, oftentimes, like when it comes to the business, my role is to be like the person that has like their eyes on the money at all time and understands what's happening and going and being able to relay the messages and, and execute based on that. And so you really need to have a level of trust. So it's like, first of all, like understanding that bringing this person in is like a really big first step, but that making sure that you have a really great rapport with them is really important because this person you're going to have very confidential, personal, vulnerable conversations with. And so it's really just like getting a CEO comfortable with like wanting to start understanding that they need to outsource and then finding the person that works well with them. And once they have that, then it really starts to like, everything starts to unfold. But, um, but yeah, I feel like that's the common thing. They just don't know what's happening with their financials. They know that something's not right, but they don't know how to figure out what it is. Which certainly makes sense. And when we're talking about entrepreneurs, I imagine that we want our profit lines or our profit margins to be larger. And if we're losing small percentages here and there, which which people probably are without even knowing it, that's really cutting into it in small amounts, which you probably find tons of tiny little amounts all over the place, lead to really, really large percentages over the long-term big picture. Yeah. I mean, so 
I would love to tell you that all of my clients are worried about their profit margins. Um, I think the part that I think is like, that's where we want to get them. Some of them do, but they're so focused on, they're like, I've done this much money in revenue. And I'm like, awesome. But if you've done, let's say 2.5 million in revenue and you have 2.3 million in expenses, like you don't have a healthy business. And I think that that's the part like versus like if you have a $100,000 business and you've got $50,000 profit, like that's 50% like net profit. Like that's awesome. So I think that it's like really understanding that like the revenue is often like that vanity metric. And that's where everyone is like focused, right? They want to be like growth. They want like the big number versus like what that net profit is and what like the profitability margin, It that's the number. Like that's the number that I think matters. Um, that's really the testament of like how much the business, if you're someone who's in business because you want to scale and sell, that number I think matters more than the revenue number because that is what makes it like how, not only like how, um, how big is your business, but like, how smart are you and how savvy are you with running the numbers and managing the general expenses on the business to create the profitability? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. It's like, that's awesome that, that your revenue is that, but what does it really mean? What is really right. actually showing up in your bank account personally? And is this an attractive asset to a would-be buyer one point down the road, if that's a year from now or 10 years from now, why not be thinking about that? Right. And even if you're someone who is not interested in selling their business, maybe that's not the reason that you have your business. But again, that bottom number tells like is the one that well chances are that's the number that's going to feed your lifestyle and that's going to feed your children and so that number matters more than anything because you want to make sure that the reason that you started the business and you've put all of this time and attention and energy into it is because you have a desire for a very uh, specific lifestyle. And this is the fuel, like the, the, the business is the fuel for that lifestyle. So creating greater intention around the financials and especially the profit really helps like fuel and is like the lifeblood of the, of your life. Well done, Amy. Thanks. I'm on <laughs> fire today. <laughs> what kind of a, how, so when, 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 when you're engaging with people, it's probably going to be dependent, but how often are, are you encouraging asking people to be doing planning sessions, to be carving out time to just be thinking about business looking forward? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's your annual planning, which I think is sort of that like big picture, like, like, let's just throw everything and see like, what is, however you wish to do that. And there's that part of it. Then there's like your quarterly, then monthly, and then weekly. And in terms of like, so it happens quite a bit. And the reason that it happens quite a bit is that I believe like when it comes to the finances, real-time reconciliation. So you constantly see what's happening in the business. So you know what the cash flow is and how things are moving in and out. Because oftentimes, if you're waiting till the end of the month, finishing out all the stuff and then looking at the financials, like you're already a couple of weeks into the next month. So if there are uh, course corrections that need to happen, you don't want to be doing them for six weeks later. You want, I want you to do them right now. So looking at those numbers and saying, okay, my goal was to have net profit of X. 
Am I creating that result? And why or why not? And having those, if you're not, if you don't have someone like me, then, um, then doing that independently. And if you do have someone like me, like you're going through that on a monthly basis, but that's something that you should be doing on a weekly basis. Once the finances are like complete, like looking at them and being able to say like, okay, you know, like I thought I was going to have this much in revenue, like what's going on. And is it because the sales are down? Is it because you've got a collection situation? Like, but knowing, like having, like being able to like ask and respond, like, really helps flex that muscle of like having that relationship with money, which fosters confidence, which then helps you like continue to make decisions and grow and scale. Yeah. Talk about re, re, rewiring or creating new neural pathways in your mind that that makes a ton of sense. And the more we do it, the more comfortable we get, more confident we become. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a virtuous cycle. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. Well, Amy, yeah. the people are ready for that difference making tip. What do you have for them? So if you're someone who carries the thought, I am terrible with money, I need to do better with money, anything that is stemming around that, I invite you to start creating a relationship with money. And that comes with like, again, easy, basic steps. If you're someone who's not checking your bank account, just start with checking your bank account. Then like, let's then we can up, you know, move up to like going into your bookkeeping software and just looking there. We wanna take baby steps because ultimately if you're able to leverage the financial data in your business, you will be able to create any goal you wish to have in that business. But it all starts with just taking one micro step. And that I'm talking about money here, but that goes with anything, whether it's in business or life, just what is the one next step? Don't worry about the 50 steps later. What is the one next step that you can take in order to move forward towards that goal? Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. (laughs) I love it. So many personal finance issues, business issues with, 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 with money are so daunting that, that it just causes us to do nothing. And that's obviously the incorrect thing. Just start taking those small steps that you're talking about. That really is the key. So I love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Um, if you visit my website at myvirtualcfo.co, uh, you can check out uh, all of what I have going on. I have a great program called the Finance Edit. So if you are someone who is looking to create this relationship with money and to do so in a really great container um, that has some DIY and done with you, check it out. Um, and I'd love to have you. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Amy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to myvirtualcfo.co. And did you say the a financial edit or audit? Edit. Finance a, edit. There is Amy's finance edit on the site, and it's a great entry point to dig in. And I love DIY resources. I love done with you resources. Uh, so great to have those options with the best way for you to engage. Thanks again, Amy. Thanks. Bye. Until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.